Welcome to The Ralph Report with Ralph Garman. Hey there, boys and girls. Welcome to The Ralph Report for a Monday. Yeah, I'm sorry. The weekend is over, but it is a Monday, March the 5th. Come on in, children. All are welcome. Crossover, children. Crossover. All are welcome. All are welcome. All welcome to The Ralph Report. It is a Monday. Did everybody watch the Oscars last night? Of course you did. You got to, right? Even if you're not interested, even if you haven't seen any of the films, it's sort of a tradition now. It's a part of our popular culture. Everybody watches the Oscars. And I got to tell you, I feel uh, often that I am a bit of a loser when it comes to the entertainment world, that I do not really belong. However, when I see my friends hosting the Oscars, it, it, it changes my perspective a little bit. First of all, my first friend I saw was Seth MacFarlane, who, by the way, underrated, in my opinion, as, a, as an Oscar host. I thought he crushed it that year. He got beat up pretty badly in the press, and uh, undeservedly so, in my opinion. And then uh, last year, and then again this year, Jimmy Kimmel was hosting the Oscars. And here's a guy I've known for 20 years up there hosting the Oscars, and I think he did a pretty good job. It's a brutal, brutal gig is hosting the Oscars. You can't really win. And I thought Jimmy did a pretty good job of keeping things moving along. Uh, tried to keep things light, had some good bits in there. I thought the, the bit where they took a lot of celebrities into the theater to uh, meet and greet with the audience members watching a Disney film, which owns ABC, by the way, to promote their Wrinkle in Time film. Yeah, not, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a fan of that bit. First of all, it's smacked of commercial uh, for that movie. And also... Last year, they brought in a tour to, to uh, accidentally enter into the Oscars, which I thought was a lot more entertaining to watch the looks on the face of the regular folk as they shook hands with the Meryl Streeps of the world in the front row. This, they brought people into the theater, and then they were shooting uh, hot dog cannons, and uh, just it became chaos. And it was loud, and it was noisy, and, and became quickly just disintegrated into madness. Did not make for good television, in my opinion. So I saw what they were going for. I thought it was a swing, but ultimately it was a miss. But uh, the opening monologue, I thought Jimmy did a great job with. A lot of uh, very funny jokes, very on point, including even jokes about what fuck pigs men are in show business and in general. And I thought he handled it fairly well, addressed it, but kept it light, including this gag about the Oscar statue itself. After all the awards given for achievements in show business, Oscar is still number one, no question about it. Oscar is the most beloved and respected man in Hollywood. And there's a very good reason why. Just look at him. <laughs> Keeps his hands where you can see them. <laughs> Never says a rude word. And most importantly, no penis at all. He is literally a statue of limitations. And that's the kind of men we need more of in this town. See, statue of limitations. That's very funny. Uh, the awards, in, in my opinion, were, were fine. Uh, not many surprises. But everyone who uh, won was completely deserving, in my opinion. From uh, the best song, Remember Me from Coco. By the way, Coco... In my opinion, one of the best films of the year, not just animated films, one of the best films of the year. Loved that movie. It also won for animated feature, and rightly so. I cried like a baby throughout that film. My kid was looking at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I think it meant a lot more to, uh, to the oldsters than to the youngsters when you start talking about whether you're going to be remembered and uh, your, your family that has passed on. I think it takes a lot more significance when you're an oldie than when you're a youngster, and uh, my kid loved it, but I was I was moved by that film, so I was glad to see that win. Uh, a lot of tech awards went to Dunkirk, and understandably so. Once again, that was a remarkable undertaking, that film, so I had no problem with it winning, uh, winning film editing, as well as some other tech awards. Visual effects went to Blade Runner 2049. Again, perfectly understandable. You get that, right? Original screenplay. Here's where things started getting dicey. I was a little concerned... But I thought the right film won. Original screenplay went to Get Out and Jordan Peele for that work. Damn, that was a smart, terrifying, effective script with a great twist at the end. So well-deserved for that film for uh, original screenplay. Best adapted screenplay went to Call Me By Your Name. Supporting actress, 
Allison Janney, she's won all the awards this year, so no surprise she won for her work in I, Tanya. Sam Rockwell, same deal for his work in three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, which I really agreed with because I loved that film. I thought it was terrific top to bottom. The entire cast blew me away. Actor Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour. His work as Winston Churchill in that film was remarkable. Glad to see them win makeup as well because... Uh, you know my history with makeup <laughs> and acting, and uh, it wasn't a, it, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a canute head he had to wear all the time, but I can imagine the work that went into transforming him from Gary Oldman into Winston Churchill, the, the hours in the chair before he started working, and then being able to work under that makeup, very impressive. Guillermo del Toro won for Shape of Water, his terrific fantasy film that also had a lot to say about uh, judging people by their insides instead of their outsides. And again, it won for Best Picture as well for the same reasons. I got no problem with that. I thought it was a terrific film, and he's a great filmmaker, and I was I was happy across the board. But I got to tell you, the most moving moment for me was, and there were several references, and again, rightly so, to the Me Too movement and several of the feminist movements trying to make a, uh, a difference in Hollywood, which, make, which has been making glacial shifts towards removing the uh, sexism and the sexual harassment of women uh, from its industry. Uh, just moving way too slow. Finally, this year, it seems to have gotten some traction, so I was hoping that Oscar would address those issues, and they did to a certain extent, but none better, in my opinion, than with Frances McDormand, who won for Best Actress. She won for her leading role in Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. And her work in her acceptance speech, I thought was exceptional because she didn't just talk. She used a visual reference that everyone in the room and everyone watching on television could see as she called on all of the female nominees in that room to rise up. If I may be so honored to have all the female nominees in every category stand with me in this room tonight. The actors, Meryl, if you do it, everybody else will, come on. The filmmakers, the producers, the directors, the writers, the cinematographer, the, the composers, the songwriters, the, 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 the designers. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Ms. everybody look around ladies and gentlemen because we all have stories to tell and projects we need finance don't talk to us about it at the parties tonight call, invite us into your office in a couple days or you can come to ours whichever suits you best and we'll tell you all about them i have two words to leave with you tonight ladies and gentlemen inclusion rider Yeah, and no, no one w knew what the inclusion rider was, by the way. And uh, everyone looked it up <laughs> after the Oscars. And it turns out this is a thing that's been around for years, which is something you can evoke in your contract, if, if you're of a certain stature, I assume, that you have, that if you, in if you include this inclusion rider in your contract, it means it's mandatory that uh, in terms of casting and staffing and crewing a film, that they must have at least 50% women on staff. So you can, you can make it part of your contract that they have to hire women and include them in the production of the film, which I don't think a lot of people knew beforehand. So this is um, a significant change and a significant uh, way to make people pay attention to what's happening in the industry. And I thought her way to do it and working that into her acceptance speech was really exceptional. I thought really, it was really well done. Um, this, I thought, was poorly done. The in-memoriam section of the Oscars. I don't know if you guys caught it or not, but a lot of people were left out, in my opinion. Uh, not the least of which, my uh, friend Adam West was not included. And yes, I know he's primarily known for a t as a television actor, but he was in the very first uh, feature film Batman movie in 1966. He was also in uh, Hooper and a, a bunch of other films, and I thought it would have been appropriate to include him in the In Memoriam section of the Oscars. Uh, Powers Booth, also not included. Uh, Toby Hooper, who directed Poltergeist and um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was just... Uh, 
Yeah, I think there are a lot of swings and misses. And I get it. There's a lot of people in the industry they have to say goodbye to. But uh, there were some, you know, executives and some uh, columnists and things. And I know I know the entertainment industry and the film industry in particular is very vast and, and sweeping. And there's a lot of people involved. But when it comes to publicists and things like that, I think you also have to make room for the artists that were involved. So I thought uh, they fucked up there, quite frankly. And I think they uh, they got to do a better job of that in the future. Another loser last night was Ryan Seacrest. You know, he, of course, has been charged with sexual misconduct from his former stylist over there at E. Susie Hardy was her name. And there was some talk of removing him from the red carpet for fear of backlash. Perhaps some women would not want to talk to him on the red carpet pre-Oscars. Now, he didn't walk the red carpet himself, as he usually does. Does some press for the network before he starts his hosting duties. He passed on that. And all five... Nominees for Best Actress passed on him at the red carpet. Margot Robbie, Frances McDormand, uh, Shearsha Ronan, Sally Hawkins, and Meryl Streep all skipped talking to Ryan Seacrest on the red carpet. So slapped down he was. And, uh, and look, I know. I'm not in the morning radio business anymore. Although I kind of am. The Ralph Report does land in the morning here in uh, Southern California. So I'm sort of in competition with Ryan Seacrest still, but I can't help but have some holdover sort of uh, cynicism when it comes to Ryan because he is, he is, uh, he's bullshit. He is a guy who puts on this veneer, this cheery veneer, this fucking wallpaper appearance that he has on the radio where he's just, he is bland as bullshit and doesn't really represent anything to anyone ever. And he's just always part of the publicity machine. He doesn't stand for anything. He never has an opinion. He is just a cog in the wheel. He is, he is like his show that he produces, The Kardashian Show on E. He's just about being as bland and taking the path of least resistance at all times. So I'm glad to see him have to deal with some real issues. And, and as expected, he just glossed over and tried to ignore it all. And so it was nice to see Hollywood taking a pass on Ryan Seacrest this year. The best part of the weekend, however, was not the Oscars at all, in my opinion. It was the Razzies, as always, the Razzie Awards, which stands for the Golden Raspberry is the uh, award they give out for the worst in film achievement over the weekend. It's always the same weekend as the Oscars. And it is a nice balance to the self-aggrandizing, uh, back-padding, golden statue-handing-out evening that the Oscars is. This is calling everybody out on their bullshit. So I always enjoy looking at the winners of the Razzie Awards, and this year is no different. So congratulations to the Emoji Movie. Which was just a shit fest, by the way. You know, when you got a kid, you got to watch a lot of these kids' movies, and some of them are excellent. Again, you know my love for the Paddington films. But this Emoji movie was fucking brutal. Even with the voice talents of Patrick Stewart and James Corden and Maya Rudolph and Anna Faris, it did win the Razzie Award for Worst Movie of 2017. It also earned the dishonors for Worst Screen Duo for any two characters in that film who were ever on screen together. Which I thought was awesome. Worst screenplay and worst director. All went to the Emoji Movie. Fifty Shades Darker earned the Razzies for worst remake, ripoff, or sequel. Kim Basinger was recognized as the worst supporting actress from that film. Tom Cruise took the trophy for worst actor for his work in Mummy. And Tyler Perry was named worst actress for his portrayal of Medea in Boo 2, a Medea Halloween the worst supporting actor statue went to Mel Gibson for his work in Daddy's Home 2. And I thought this was awesome. The In Memoriam section was dedicated to the men in film industry who have killed their careers because of sexual harassment and abuse. So those photos that were shown include Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, Louis C.K., Brett Ratner, Kevin Spacey, Casey Affleck, and Russell Simmons. And at the end of the uh, sequence, there was a, uh, a statement that said, Very sorry, but we won't be missing you or your kind. So those are your Razzie Awards for the weekend. Let's take a look at today's celebrity birthdays. All these stars born on today, March 5th, James B. Sicking. You may not know the name, but he was a star of Hill Street Blues and also was the dad on Doogie Howser, M.D. He's 84 years old today. Another Hill Street Blues alum, Michael Warren, is 72 years old today. Dean Stockwell from Quantum Leap, 
He is 82 years old. Singer Eddie Grant. We got to go down to Electric Avenue. 70 years old today. Penn Gillette of Penn & Teller is 63. The Proclaimers. Charlie and Craig Reed. I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more. 56 years old today. Kevin Conley played E on Entourage. He's 44 years old. Eva Mendez is also 44. And Jolene Blaylock, who played the Vulcan on the Enterprise TV series. She is 43 years old today. I'm Ralph Garman. I walk the showbiz beat. In just a couple of minutes, we'll be getting to part two of my interview with Mr. Kevin Smith. I sat down and talked with him just after his heart attack, and uh, I can't believe it's only a week ago. We will talk about how he feels now after the fact. We talked about the heart attack itself and what it was like to be in the hospital facing death. Now that he has been treated and is recovering, how does he feel about his life, about uh, his heart, about his lifestyle? changes he's going to have to make. We'll cover all that stuff in part two of today's interview. But before we get to that, you know, because of the weekend with uh, the Oscars and the Razzies, we like to think here in Southern California that we're in the center of the pop culture universe. However, there's more to the world than just L.A. And that's why we have to check in with our man in London from time to time, our U.K. correspondent, Mr. Steve Ashton. Steve Ashton, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm well, Ralph, you long, bald mountain of masculinity. I'm great. <laughs> what do you got for us today? Well, funnily enough, Ed Sheeran's in the news. Oh. Now, he made the news, actually, it was actually last week, if I'm perfectly honest, um, due to the premiere of a new documentary all about the creative process behind the writing of his new album. Now, there's no denying that Sheeran is a talented, popular musician who can write, or at least plagiarise very well. <laughs> the film apparently fails to find anything else to say about him, and you know why? There isn't anything else to say about him. <laughs> He's blandy McFucking bland. But there might be a sinister side that comes out in the documentary. In one particular part, he's seen lamenting about the level of fame that he wants to attain. Now, he's filmed as saying, if you don't want to be bigger than Adele, you're in the wrong industry. I don't want to be the male Adele. I want to be Adele. Well, Ed, you've got a head start because you are a massive quim. <laughs> also, also making the news. Oh, this will this will this will make you smile, Ralph. The Muppets. They've oh. announced their first ever live shows, but it's in the UK. Now it's going to take place at the O2 Arena in London. Fans can expect music, comedy, incredible surprises, plus total and complete chaos. Now the first concert took place at the Hollywood Bowl. Last September. Did you go, Ralph? I did not, sir, no. Well, you saw them advertised, I guess, and were intrigued yes. by what they are going to do. Yes. Yeah, so they did things like cover versions of Queen and David Bowie songs by Dr. Teeth and Electric Mayhem. Miss Piggy performed Adele, speaking of her, um, and spoofs of The Walking Dead featuring the Swedish chef called The Walking Bread. <laughs> Hardy fucking ha-ha. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> It must be the easiest fucking job in the world being a writer on the Muppets. But we've got a clip of their ad um, that was put out recently. And uh, have a quick listen to this. Hello, everyone. The Muppets are coming to London. That's right. This July, for the first time ever in the UK or Europe, we'll be performing live on stage in an incredible full-length show, The Muppets Take the O2. Ralph, what the actual fuck? What happened to his voice? Kermit sounds like he's having a prostate exam. <laughs> now, I don't know if you talked about this on Hollywood Babylon. I can't remember, but this is the voice of Matt Vogel. Now, he recently replaced Steve Whitmire, who was the longtime puppeteer for Kermit the Frog, who was fired in July 2017 for, and I quote by Disney, unacceptable business conduct. Now, to me, <laughs> this may say a lot about me, he was totally fucking the puppets, right? That must, that must be what it was. I don't think that was, was it, Steve. No, he was jerking off with Kermit. It was like, <laughs> I, oh, oh, Not the case, I'm sure. Well, well, maybe not. I'll leave it there, Ralph. But let me leave you with one thought. Why is it that no one knows the origins of their metal coat hangers? <laughs> Bye, Steve. We'll talk to Steve again later in the week. Now it is time for part two of my sit-down interview with my good buddy, Mr. Kevin Smith. Uh, here's where we talk about how he feels about life after going through a near-death experience. Uh, not many of us have had to face that. He has, 
and I was uh, interested to know how it changed his outlook. And I think you'll be surprised by some of the answers. Uh, today, by the way, is also a free Monday, so you will be getting this interview free from the Ralph Report. And if you like what you hear, of course, you can always feel free to subscribe to the Ralph Report at patreon.com slash the Ralph Report. Here's Kevin Smith with how he feels about life and his future after a near-fatal heart attack. What have the days since been like for you? What is, what is what's your mindset like it, moving forward? What, where's your head at? Like, wonderful. Like, honestly, it feels like when my old man, right before my old man died, two months before he died, he was in the hospital. And my mom called me. I was out here in California, and she's like, Dad's in the hospital. I was like, again? She goes, get on a plane right now. And so I was like, oh, sh- shit. And my dad was like at death's door and I saw him in the hospital and talked to him, blah, blah, blah. And then my dad bounced back and my mom was like, the doctor said he couldn't understand it. He's gone. I got no fucking medical explanation for it, but he took a 180 degree turn. He's completely out of the woods. And then he died two months later. My dad was living on borrowed time. Hmm. So that's what I honestly feel like right now for the last few days and not in a morbid way. But I feel like I'm living on borrowed time at this point where I'm like, I was supposed to be dead in that room. Like, no doubt. I Does that mean whatever, however long you live is going to be borrowed time? Or yes. do you really get the sense that, that it's, a, it's a short period of time? Uh, I don't there's know There's no how reason long... to think that because you've had a procedure. Your father didn't have a procedure at Very the time, true. Right? But my father did have lots of work on him and stuff. He didn't mm. get the procedure for that, unfortunately. It was too... Probably wasn't around or mm-hmm. readily available back then. It was like, this is like 13 years ago. And he just, my, I mean, my brother tells a story like... And my mom told me this story. Like, my dad all of a sudden just started, like, yelling in the middle of the night, screaming and shit. He was like, it's odd, it's odd. And he's kicking off the blankets. And my mom was like, what are you talking about? And then he bolt upright, sat up in the bed, and then fucking went back down. And that was it. And died screaming. And, uh, you know, I I just assumed that would be a heart attack. Yeah. If, if that's a heart attack and stuff. But, you you know, they I, I was lucky. Everything about this is fucking lucky. Lucky. You know, think about how often I travel. I was just in Vancouver doing the flash. Yeah. It could happen on the set of the fucking flash. Um, the night before we were on stage with Hollywood Babylon at the improv. I, I it ran through my mind a million times. Like what if it just been in the middle of the hours in, earlier and what, what would we have done? It's crazy. So I feel like, and again, not a negative thing, but I do feel like, Oh shit, you're living on borrowed time. So I don't care if it's two weeks or two months like my dad's or, you know, fucking 20 years or 40 years. It's like, you know, I'm I'm not going to be one of those people that's like, I got a new birthday, but it kind of <laughs> is like that where you're like, I, you know, that was my, it wasn't my birthday. It was meant to be my fucking death day. And to the good grace of a medical professional and being close enough to the hospital and all these fucking factors, they saved my ass from the fire. You know how many people die from that widow maker? Fucking lots. Yeah. So I feel like it's just borrowed time. Now, how does that affect me for the rest of my life? Right. Like, I'm going to live to the fullest. I can be honest with you. I already do that. Like, maybe I'm not like soaring over mountains on hang gliders and shit, but I do whatever it is I want to do in this life. So it's not like, man, I got saved from the grave. So now it's my life. And now I'm going to do what I want to do. Cause that's all I've ever done. Right. So really it, it doesn't mean like, Oh, I'll get ready for a fucking shit ton of work that never would have happened. This, everything that's going to happen professionally was going to happen regardless unless you see me do a heart attack movie because otherwise i wouldn't have had interest in the subject but yeah. i don't think that'll happen so how about a guy who gets turned into a giant heart <laughs> musk <laughs> muscle <laughs> valve <laughs> um but i do it puts this i, I don't want to say like i feel like i'm a dead man walking but i do feel like i'm not supposed to be here anymore and that doesn't make me want to leave but it just makes me appreciate how fucking like, all right, let's do everything. Like, yeah. you know what? I used to be like, you, you were know, always the why not guy anyway. And I was always like, we'll get to it. And I always thought I had plenty of time. Like, you know, fucking we'll get to it. Like if it ain't happening here, it'll happen there. As long mm. as it happens before I die. And now I'm like, Oh shit. That's that's, you may not have as long as you think. Yeah. So really I can't say, I mean, the one thing of course is going to change is like, you know, how I live my life, healthier lifestyle and shit like that. But in terms of like, you know, wait till you see the work. Like, no, I've always been like, since Clerks happened, since I got my foot in the door, I've always been like, I'm going to try to keep this going for as long as fucking possible and keep making stuff. And then, 
it diversified and then the podcast happened, the TV show happened. Like it just got, and then I could just stand on stage and fucking talk. We'd just sit there and fucking do a show. Think about it. We've been doing a podcast. How many years? Almost eight, eight, almost eight years here in Los Angeles. We are a thing to do. And for people that don't understand that, try selling tickets in Los Angeles. It's one of the hardest markets in the world. You know why? Because there's so many fucking things to do and a lot of it's free. So Every week we jump up and we're like, come see us at the fucking Babylon. And we fill houses and shit like that. Like that's, that's, that was nothing I ever thought of when I was like, I want to make this movie about working in a convenience store. Right. But life just diversified to the point where like, you know, I ain't my, I'm not saying this critically, but I'm like, I'm not my, my father. Like my father's dreams came true at a young age. He wanted to get married and have a kid. And that happened. He didn't have any ambitions like professionally. Beyond that, that was it. That was it. I, of course, had those ambitions as well. I wanted to have a family and stuff like that. And that eventually happened. But unlike my dad, who was like career fulfillment, what are you talking about? My kids and my wife fulfilled me. It wasn't a big generation of dreamers really no, when our dads were coming up. Not at all. And, no. and God bless those folks because they created a generation of dreamers. Right. My father never sat me down and said, you can do so much more. You, you know, oh my God, I've got to, you know, I believe in you. And and not that he didn't feel those things, but he was not the guy that would be like, he wasn't me with my kid. Like, I'm so fucking crazy real with my kid. She must be irritated by it where I'm just like, ultimately it doesn't matter unless you're happy inside and shit like that, you know? <laughs> so my old man was not that guy, but he raised me and it, he never took me to the movies and said, you should do this. But he took me to the movies all the time and he enjoyed the movies and I enjoyed the movies and he never pressed sports on me, which was a big thing back then. Yeah. He was like, clearly the fat kid don't want to play sports. He likes movies and shit. They really shaped me into who I am or let me shape myself, which unfortunately I shaped myself into a large man as well. But they were never like, I just watched this tape recently that I found uh, that I had made. It is it's fucking unnerving. My sister told me a few years ago, she was like, do you remember the tape you made for mom and dad before you went to film school? And I was like, that rings a bell. What was it? She's like, I just saw it. I was at mom's. It is unnerving. You sit there and you tell mom and dad goodbye and you say you're going to Vancouver and everything's about to change. You say you're going to become an artist and there'll be parents of an artist. You said you're going to be famous. You said you're going to, and not in a cocky way, but I'm, I you laid it all out for them. What to expect. I just recorded this video where I'm like, this is what's going to happen. And not even like, this is what I think is going to happen. It was me, you know, I'm fucking 22 and fucking emo. So I'm like, everything's about to change. And I was fucking right. My sister's like, it's eerie because everything you said was true, except for the one thing I said, I, this will be the last time I probably live with you guys. But I did come back after film school and live in the house. And shit. Right. So like I, I was that, that's who they raised and they didn't try to raise that kid, but that's who they created by letting, by, you know, everything they did as parents and everything they didn't do as parents. Right. It all like, shapes whatever your direction is in life. And they never were like movies, TV, grow up. You know, they were just like, Hey, he's, he likes TV and movies and shit. And so much. So when I started getting into it, I was like, I want to try this. They didn't try to discourage me. And they actually helped me financially. We were not fucking wealthy people. My parents, my mom was like, you can borrow, you know, $10,000 to fucking uh, rent the equipment, 3000, $3,000 to rent the equipment. We had no money and shit. Mm -hmm. So, and my parents giving me three grand was like, it ain't like me giving Harley three grand. It's like that shut them down for half a year at least. Yeah. But you know, they were like, look, he wants to do it. This seems important to him. He hasn't really wanted to do anything. He liked high school and he liked acting and the shows and shit. And he hasn't really gone to college that well and shit, but he, he likes movies. He wants to go to film school, let him get it out of his system. And then he'll be a waiter and, you know, not in a shitty way, but they were just like, they, they weren't from this world where like, that shit happened. Right. So when it happened, they were like, Oh fuck crap. Like he was right. And so watching like that, I, I just watched it last night at muse was over. And I said, I've had this tape for years, dude. And I haven't watched it. Like, can you go downstairs, find a VCR, bring it up here and we'll hook it up. And so he went and found the VCR in the fucking garage. And then we hooked it up and watched it last night. And it's, it is unnerving how I'm very serious. I don't sound like this guy at all. Hmm. You can see, little pieces of me, I guess, but really this kid is so fucking serious. He is so earnest and he really wants to be an artist, but he does say something that makes me laugh. He's going, um, I'm, I say to my parents, I was like, I'm going to make you proud of me. I'm going to do something with our name. 
I said, and um, you might not feel that way right now if you knew the caliber of films I wanted to make. I said, because you, and it's so weird. I said, you know me. I can't do anything without a sick element involved. Wow. And I, as I watched it, I'm it's like. Self-awareness. But my parents didn't know that. Like, I'm sure when they watched that, they're like, what? <laughs> Wait a minute. Is he, is he weird? <laughs> what do you mean sick element? He's an altar boy. Tiger. So. I, I like I got to go on that journey because of them and I've lived that journey like to the fullest I could. I mean, you know, some people be like, no, you haven't. You never won an Oscar. That was not fucking part of it. Like that yeah. ain't that not, ain't that's what. not in the tape. And it's also <laughs> no, I was I never told my parents and I'll win an Oscar. I was smart enough to know that shit then as well. But it was like I don't ever since there's a certain point I got my foot in the door. And I think for like the first 10 years of my career, I just concentrated or just like, I'm a filmmaker and that's what I do. I make films. Yeah. And then maybe it wasn't even the first 10 years, five years. And then slowly I realized like, Oh, you can do this. Like, you know, I wound up working at Marvel and DC because like I wanted to, cause mm -hmm. I was like, Hey, I like comics. Can I work here? And like, okay. And then I just started pursuing all the shit that I liked. And so the career went from this, like, Oh my God, could you imagine if I just made a film like that would be the, I say in this video to my parents, I'm like, this is the most important thing I'll ever do in my life. And I was right on some level because it did change. It everything. leads to everything. Else. It leads to everything else. It was the bridge, but like, you know, they, uh, I forget where I was going with it. Oh, so, so in terms of what now I can't say like, Oh shit, I have a new lease on life. I've You've always been talking a lot about the work. Yeah. And I know that's a huge part of who you are. You work more, I think than anyone I know in the sense that, it, it's your life. It doesn't really stop. You're either writing or you're thinking about something you're going to write about or you're performing somewhere. You're working with your friends and your family. You've incorporated into almost every aspect of your life. Yeah. So I get that probably is not going to change so much. But what about the personal aspect for you? What mm. about your relationship with family and friends or your lifestyle or what, what things – it has to have some impact on you, this kind of event, I would think, where you say, okay, I'm going to maybe do – other things differently, or maybe I'll do things outside of work and family things that I never really made the time for something that I would like to explore. Is there any of that going on? I, I mean, I'm on day three of being a vegetarian. Okay. Well, that's new. Uh, mostly plant -based. Your diet though, I don't, was never bad. It was never that bad really. Before. I know. I know. But, I, was, I was wondering though, because my wife was, is sends her love and she's beyond, she, she has been in tears about this whole situation. We both oh. have, because you're my best friend and it's hard when you go through that uh the, the possibility of living without you was the bottom drops out sometimes when you, someone you, you would have to get us. on the phone with Pat and oswald and be like i need a co-host <laughs> <laughs> when, when someone important in your life is sick the bottom sort of drops out for a minute and i've lived too many of those kind of moments in my life but mm -hmm. uh, um we were wondering because you you were doing that keto thing the keto diet thing for a while too mm -hmm. which is largely like dairy and fats and stuff like that and everything i wonder if that was the thing that pushed you over the edge to now maybe a vegan lifestyle might be a, an interesting change for I, you. I look at it like this believe me i'm not sitting there going oh i can't wait to not eat the things that i've eaten my whole life but i'm right. kind of like of the same mind about the food i'm like you you had your fun you're 47 you've eaten anything you ever wanted to eat nobody ever made you eat the way you were supposed to your parents, like my brother and sister growing up on vegetables. But when I was young, I was like, I don't like this. My parents were like, well, fucking don't, he doesn't have to eat it. Cause what a pain in the ass he's going to be. And that's why you kicked sugar too. I remember when you saying, look, I had all of it I ever wanted. And now I'm just not going to do that. There anymore. just comes a point where it's like, I mean, like how many, like, 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 don't get me wrong. I love fucking food like crazy, but it's like, it's variations on, it's just more of the same at a certain point. Yeah. Like, you know, I've had a lot of hamburgers, cheeseburgers. I've had a lot of fucking oily terrible greasy foods and shit like that like you know and i'll always have those wonderful memories but i need to defetishize food for myself i yeah. fetishize food not in the way of like ooh, i want to eat but food is the reward for everything i do mm -hmm. so i work all day long and do whatever it is i do spin all the plates and then at night or when i'm free my my freedom the thing that i love the fucking most now comes fun time is laying in bed watching tv and fucking eating mm -hmm. and that's I can't do that. Like as much as I've loved that, it's like, you know, and I'm not saying I'll never eat another piece of food in bed, but that was my daily. Yeah. Like just, and, and when you're eating in bed and watching a two hour movie, 
like, I don't know about anybody else, but I don't eat and I'm like, oh, I'm fulfilled. Like, I'm just slowly fucking two hours slowly it's eating a meal. Either. It's unconscious. And yeah. that's way too much fucking food. Like, you know, I, I hate to point it out, but and I'm not saying the Americans suck, but like the French, they eat bread, they eat cheese, but it's all these tiny ass fucking portions. Like, here's a little piece of bread, here's a little piece of cheese. Right. But we're Americans, so it was like, I want it all. It's like all you can eat buffet. I like, I just stopped at the Philly cheesesteak place the other day, which I fucking loved. And I didn't get a Philly cheesesteak. I got three Philly cheesesteaks because I'm like, oh, I'm going to want one later on and one mm-hmm. tomorrow and stuff like that. So I just feel like you had your fun. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, grow up, be a big boy. You got anything you wanted. You were spoiled yourself with food. And so now, if, if from now until the end, you know, food is not as exciting for you because you're not eating all the shit you like. So be it. This life is not about fucking food. Yeah. Like food is something you need to sustain yourself, but like making it the reward for everything, making it the like, if I could just get through this shit, then I get to fucking sack out and eat. And I'm not even talking about I would sit there in front of TV and eat garbage, but I don't give a shit if you're eating beans. If you're eating fucking like eight tubs of beans over two beans. hours, too many fucking beans. So I know that will change. And you know, that not, thankfully, I'm at least it's happening in an era where there's like, here's fucking meatless meat, the impossible burger. Like, think about it. If this shit happened 20 years ago. I'm like, I guess I'll have some farva beans. Right. And a nice Chianti. Um, but now they got options where you're like, hey, man, this is pretty damn close. And so I'm like, all right. Like, so if I feel the need to eat a burger, I can go have the impossible burger or something like right. that. But are I, you not going to do fish? You're not going to do uh, any, any of I grew it? up in a seafaring town. So the idea of eating fish is, this is so weird, which is, it's not like I'm a friend of fish, but like growing up in Highlands, all you smelled was fish because it's a fishing industry town. Right. And my father would always send me to get him fish every day. Here's a dollar. Go get me a dollar's worth of fish at the lobster barn. And they'd cut off a big piece of fucking fluke or haddock or something like that. And it, just the texture of fish nauseates really? me. Oh my God. So you're not I've like never a sushi eaten, guy or anything? I've never thing? eaten anything from the sea. Ever like a living thing? I have eaten like seaweed by accident <laughs> while at the beach, <laughs> but I've never. I don't. I'm pretty sure I had a once a taste as a child of fish. I was like, Meh! so I've never gone back. You're and so duck. I'm still not going to touch fish. Like we can get. I've some... seen you in sushi restaurants. No, yeah, yes, maybe I have. maybe eating rice. Oh, is that what you eat when you're there? I don't eat fucking sushi. And maybe they got a chicken dish. Like, <laughs> believe me, I'm the one guy at the Japanese place who's like, do you have chicken? Do you have? They're like, this is all sushi. So, yeah, no, I've never been a fish guy. I'm not a greens guy. I fucking hate vegetables wow. and stuff like that. Like, there ain't you no your work cut out for I yourself. know, bro, I know. But that's up to me, right? It's yeah. like, hey, there's two ways you could do this. Either you learn to retrain yourself to eat better or you're going to die again. Yeah. So take your pick. And so again, I always come back to, you had your fun. Like you did it. You fucking, you fucking ate everything you wanted to eat over the course of 47 years. Now try the other way, uh-huh. you know, for a while, for a while, or maybe for the rest of your fucking life. Depends how long you want to be here and shit. Yeah. So, you know, now I guess at age, I was looking forward to like, ah, at 60, I'll get more responsible about my health. But apparently at age 47, it's going to, you don't in. get to pick the time, sadly. No. But, um, oh my God, what a, like, what a whirlwind few days. Like, think about it, dude. Uh, Saturday, we did Babylon. Sunday, I did the show and fucking had a heart attack. Monday, I was in the hospital. Tuesday morning, I got out. And it's Thursday? Yeah. So over the last two days, I've seen people come visit and shit like that. People have been sending tons of things, really nice, like flowers, gifts, and shit like that. Uh, A lot of like uh you know here's your new vegan food here's your vegetarian food you know and then it's crazy because online there's a bunch of cats who are like don't listen to those fucking people meat is still good just stay away from sugar everyone's got their own opinion yes everybody's got a diet totally but um they've sent like tofurkey which i tried (laughs) once oh terrible no so they uh who was it um people have been sending really nice shit i got two bouquets from uh, original media, the people I do comic book men with and the fo- folks at comic book men. Right. And instead of floral bouquets, they're bouquets made out of like stuffed Star Wars characters. Oh, how so cool. there's an R2-D2 bouquet and a Last Jedi bouquet. I, I, who knew this shit existed? You only you got to get sick to find this <laughs> shit out. Good stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> they're holding back. They are. They haven't been giving me. Um, but Disney Channel sent me. Like I was, I went into Disney Channel like last week or two weeks ago to pitch something and shit. Met a bunch of people and whatnot. 
And in the middle, in the beginning of the pitch, I was like, um, for whatever reason, the, the subject of like, uh, people recognize me, but they're like, Oh my God, they're going to recognize you when you come here. I was like, yeah, people are gonna be like, Hey, it's Kevin James. And they thought that was hysterical. <laughs> like that happens. I was like, I've been mistaken for Kevin James more times than I could possibly count at this point. So just because of our names, we're both white fat guys. <laughs> so Disney sent over these like sugar-free, like vegan cookies and their Mickey mouse ears. Um, and they, they painted with his shorts and stuff. And the card said, you know, just a spoonful of sugar helps the vegan food go down. Like get well soon. Your friends at Disney show, but the fucking cookie says get well, Kevin James. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's classy. That's that wins. That's the joke of the day. That's, that's good. spectacular. Um, but I've heard from fucking like a zillion people. I heard from, I mean, fuck, dude. If you ever want to hear from people you ain't heard from in decades, have a heart attack. Have a near death experience. Nearly die. It's crazy. It brings people out with like, bro, how you been? I haven't spoken to you in a while and stuff. It's nice. You get, you get to, to reconnect with loved. people. Yes. And that's the thing, dude. Over the last few days, when I was in the hospital, even till now. You know, I, I've, uh, sometimes I like you, sometimes I don't. Like, I've been beloved in the press, and then I've been kicked around and shit like that and whatnot. Right. And uh, so I've had it both ways and, and stuff. So I honestly suspected or felt that, like, oh, when they hear I have a heart attack, it's going to be the whole internet being, of course you did, you fat piece of shit. Like, you were too fat to fly. Why don't you fucking take care of yourself? Nada. It was crazy love, dude. It was yeah. crazy. I'm sure there are people out there like, oh, I hope he dies. But I ain't seen them. And usually I come across those people. Even people that usually write shit about me or my career, like, fuck him, were very sweet, very positive. Like, I got to I got to attend my own wake. I got to see my own eulogy. Yeah. And, it, you know, I said it on the recording. Like, as long as I don't wake up with, like, a fucking dead girl or a live boy and they find me, like, I, I might be able to go out of this world with people being like, ah, oh, he's a good egg. He made those movies and he made people laugh. Like the perspective people have of me is different than the perspective I have of myself. Honestly, the perspective people have of me is the perspective I dream that people have of me. Mm. That's what I found out over this. It's a nice reward then for your your work for 25 years. Very sweet. And yeah. I was like, and again, that just made me feel like, fuck, bro. Like if you die in the next two days, if I was like my dad and I'm li li literally living on borrowed time and my heart's like, fuck you, and in two weeks gives out. Again, no complaints. Like, I now saw the end, and it wasn't a bunch of people going, what an asshole! Like, they were like, he, he was a good guy. He, he liked to joke around. He had a good heart and shit like that. So, I, I don't, I, I, it was, that Not might me. be my kid's car. Yeah, it was my kid's car. Um, she, uh, she's been lovely during all, like, both Jen and Harley were fucking deeply affected, as you would imagine. Somebody wrote me this really beautiful email, dude. Um, I mean, you know, I wish I could share it, but I don't feel free to share it. But it's about uh, this woman in, in St. John in Canada wrote me and she was like, you written my husband a year ago and he has it framed in his, in his office. But like uh, the address, the email address is blacked out, but I'm his wife. So I know how to get his emails and stuff. And so I'm writing you. He would hate it if I he knew I was writing you. So I'm like, okay, here comes the ask, you know, sooner or later there's going to be an ask. No fucking ask. It was just this woman going like, I, uh, I met my husband the guy I'm married to, she had some kids. He had kid, a kid, and they blended their family. And she was like, I didn't think I'd ever find somebody who'd want to be with somebody with two kids, single mom with two kids. And right. I met this guy, and he was wonderful. And she's like, I realized I fell in love with him the night we watched. He made me watch Jersey Girl. Hmm. And he kept talking about, like, this movie. And when his kid was born, his kid had some health issues. And he said, like, that was the movie he was watching when the kid was in the hospital. It made him feel like, I can do this. I can be a hero for my kid and shit like that. So she's saying, like, this guy responds to you in a big, bad way. She's like, I like your movies. He makes me watch everything and listen to all the podcasts and stuff. She goes, I don't go for the dirtier stuff. But, like, all of it has heart. Like, all of it you can tell you're a good person and care about people and shit. So she starts relating the story about how her husband, like, because of the shit I did, he was like, I, I think I want to make stuff. And he was working at a call center, and then he – like decided to write a script about working in a call center. Like hmm. I wrote about working in a convenience store and people in his world were like, you're an idiot. It's never going to happen. He put it down. Then he, you know, picked it back up again. He met a kid who went to film school and they wound up shooting the feature and stuff. And then while he was in post on his feature, the call center was like, you got to pick, you can't be a movie maker and work at the call center, which is it? And she, and he was like, well, then I want to make movies. And so she's like, now he's been like for the last two years, he has his own little video production company and 
he shoots industrials. He shot other movies. He's won awards and stuff like that. Um, and he's, he's happy and shit like that. And then she said, and when you had your heart attack, I was reminded how important you are to this guy. She was like, he was fucking devastated. Mm. So she said, and fuck it, let me just read it. She said this thing, dude, that was like, uh, one of the most moving things I ever fucking read. I saved the email for that very reason. Um, let me find it. Tracy Parsons, dude. Get well, keep going, she wrote. So let me get to the part where she's. For the last six years, he's run his own uh, company doing corporate and private videos, pay the bills, which has allowed him to create a web series called Edge of the Line, numerous music videos, short films. His latest has won a few awards called Headline Heroes. I am proud of him, what he accomplished with no big name support, financial support, or industry support. He creates because he loves it. We love him. Last year for his birthday, I got him tickets to see you and Jason Live in St. John. He became a 10-year-old child. He didn't say a word the entire show. He just laughed and took it all in. She said, yesterday when, you read, when he read about your heart attack, he himself has a chronic pericarditis or whatever. The look on his face was a reminder to me just how important you and your work was and continues to be to him. He always said that the universe you created was the visual guidebook of his teenage years. The characters were the same group of friends everyone has. And she wrote, I just wanted to tell you, thank you. If it weren't for you, I may never have wound up with the man I love. He never, he may never have found the courage to face his fears. He may still be working at a call center. But because of your direct influence from afar, my husband has tried to do what so many people from our region consider odd. I wanted to make sure you knew that impact you have on audiences, on culture, and even on individuals you will never meet. Your legacy is far more than movies, more than podcasts. It reaches the souls of people all over the world, and you need to know that. Your legacy is that of impact. I don't know this woman, dude, but this is like the greatest thing in the world I could have read. I'm like... Doesn't get any better than that, man. Fuck, that's more real. That comes from, like, the real world. And if it's just that one guy, that's a life well lived, right? But multiply that by hundreds, thousands. That's, uh, this is the part that I wanted to... That, I, that made it come to mind. She wrote, please get well. As a wife and mother, I can't imagine how your wife and daughter must be feeling. But if you mean this much to a goofball in St. John, Canada, one can only imagine what you mean to them. I thought that was incredibly fucking profound. I was like, oh, my God, you're right. These cats really like me here in this house. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the time. Some easy. Guys. Easy. Yeah, some time I think time. they like you maybe more in St. John sometimes than they do in this no house. No doubt. No doubt. But uh, there it is. Fucking uh, alive and kicking and shit. And... uh and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm thankful, grateful as fuck. Um, love hearing from so many people. Uh, Everyone that I know has reached out to me because they know of our relationship. And, and to, a, to a person has said, please let him know that we're thinking of him and wishing the best. It's and, such a relief, dude. Like, you know, it's like you don't, you never know how you're doing. Yeah. You know, even when you, I don't care. Like some people are like, well, if you win an Oscar, you know how you're doing. No, you don't. Like that tells you won an Oscar for a movie, but right. you never know. How you're really doing. There's a lot of people who have Oscars who are assholes that people don't like. <laughs> exactly. But to like read something like that where, you know, somebody was just like, look, you may have died. So I got to share this with you. That like shit like that means something. I'm like, God damn it. Like it worked. Like that is my favorite. My legacy is that of impact. Fuck everything else, dude. If it made a bunch of people go like, why not me? Why them? How come I can't do this? And they picked it up and ran with it. Yeah. Like that's, that's all the legacy I'll, I'll ever need. Like, I love that clerks is the movie that sailed a thousand ships and were they all great ships? Don't matter. Like who's to say, did they all make the same journey clerks did? Probably not. But having people be like, I was going to be something else my whole life. Something I didn't want to be. Or something I would accept. And you just showed me that I could be something else. That's like that, that. That's why I was so fucking calm in that bed. I didn't feel like there's much left to do. I was disappointed we weren't going to get to make Jane Silent Bob reboot. Because I'm like, that's a funny <laughs> fucking movie. And, you know, I'm not for nothing. I love yoga hosers. But I'm like, fuck, the last one was yoga hosers. So they're going to beat me up. How dare you, sir? I know. But, like, I, you, if I died, it would have been like, he started his career with a wonderful yoga uh, clerks. Yoga hosers is a bit of a disappointment, but Smith <laughs> muddled through. 
So I was like, fuck, let me just get one in there that everyone likes before I fucking drop dead so they can talk about that. But I was like, all right, we're not going to get to do it. But it looks like now we might be able to get to do it. And, you know, as always, as much as I've always been like, you know, we'll make it happen. Like sooner or later, it, it all fucking comes into play. Yeah. You know, now I just maybe increase that a little bit. Now I'm a bit more like, well, let's expedite. Let's, let's make sure this happens because I can't count on, oh, I'll get to that in five years. Like. Tomorrow is promised to no man. Yeah. Who said that? I think I just did. Fucking I. Yeah. Profound. Um, it's true. It's very, very true. But uh, uh, I hope any of this is useful to people. I saw a bunch of people on Twitter, at least four people uh, in the last two days go, because of your story, I went to the doctor this morning and just found out I have 85% blockage and they put me on statums or whatever they called statin drugs statin drugs yeah um people with cholesterol issues wanting to check themselves out because they too like me are just like well i mean like i maybe i'd be thin but i'm i don't feel like i'm unhealthy and shit but you don't know and your genetics play a big part so it's nice to see that some people like i took this as a warning sign i went and got checked out thank you and stuff people thanking me for fucking having a heart attack but with good reason because they're like you may have fucking you may have fucking saved me just like remember i was talking about hollywood babylon um, what's her fuck? Rachel from fucking that show. Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. How she hollowed out the bagel and shit. I read yes. that in an interview and I was like, that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that. Like, it's like that. You're, somebody's like, he had a heart bagel. attack. That's smart. <laughs> I'm going to check myself out. <laughs> um, yes, but thank you. You were, Ralph came to see me in the hospital. Ralph was like all over it and stuff like that. Um, and, and uh, hopefully, I was very responsive and very like, I, more so than I would have expected on all on all these levels. By the way, I wouldn't have expected you to jump on the phone to get back to me. I mean, I I reached out to Jen after I couldn't get you initially, mm, and we went back awesome. and forth Thank while while that. she was going to the hospital, and and I did not expect to hear from you for days. I figured he's got mending to do and shit, but social media and the phone and everything it's like you really barely missed a beat in the span of about two days it was my heart may have but i did not it was crazy yeah i've honestly and almost like relax for those listening i i canceled the upcoming hollywood babylon show for this weekend <laughs> don't tell them this <laughs> and kevin was like pissed off because we're not working on saturday less than a week from his massive Heart attack. I know, but like how easy would that show have been to sell out at this point? We'll sell out whatever show <laughs> you come back with. Just re- put your feet up. That's relax. honestly been the most like difficult aspect God of all this. Is just, you were bitching in the hospital how bored you were. You wanted to go do something. Just relax. And it's not even like I'm always up to like something adventurous, <laughs> but like it just felt like it's tough to be productive, like, you know, if you've got wires hooked up to you and fucking a catheter or not a catheter where they put it when they put IV IV and yeah. shit like that a catheter they'd have to see your dick yeah really I gotta now I gotta go to and make sure I don't get any renal disease or dick diseases because otherwise it's on full display <laughs> <laughs> maybe they can make it bigger maybe that operation's coming if you can make put a stent in your dick yes <laughs> where he's like you want some neck I can give you a little neck protect your neck and he puts it on my dick <laughs> His own neck on my dick. dick. He's happy to see me. He just lays his head on my dick (laughs) like a pillow. (laughs) I'm like, is that what you meant by neck? (laughs) Your neck, I see. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I, I I don't know. I feel good. I, but I, but again, and I don't mean this to be like spooky or anything, but like, it just feels like borrowed time. Like I, I honestly, we everything, stop saying that. everything will taste so much sweeter. Cause I'm like, fuck, this day shouldn't exist. This day shouldn't exist. Maybe it's just an extension. Maybe they just picked up your contract, man. You got a, you got a brand new deal. Think of it that way. Ralph, you know me. <laughs> Nobody ever picks up my contract. <laughs> I'm a one and done guy. <laughs> like, that's good. Thank you. Um, yeah, there it is, man. I know just for those listening, if you ever thought, Oh my God, I'm scared to death. Oh my God, I'm scared of having a heart attack. Of course, like those are things to be scared about. But in the moment, they weren't scary. They weren't the most terrifying thing. I wonder if part of it is you have no choice but to give up control. What could I do? What can you do? There must be some. I I had done the bad part already. (laughs) I had stuffed the vein with Twinkies and fucking whatever else. (laughs) So at this point, I just had to kick back and watch others. This is all speculation, obviously, because I have never had that experience. But I think there must be a certain amount of freedom that comes with 
you know what? I have no responsibility in, in this moment of my life whatsoever. I'm giving up total control, yes. and it is completely out of my hands. But more so than I've ever been, it's been out of my hands before in my life. Where my mom. I had nothing to say about this situation. They were working on my mom's heart once. This is going back when Harley was like a kid, like three years old or something, so like 15 years ago. And my mom died on the table in the middle of the surgery. So years later, I was like, Mom, what was it like? When you died. I think we talked about it on a podcast as well, on a podcast. And she said, it was peaceful. She goes, it was, I remember just thinking, oh, I'm done. Like, I'm not responsible for anybody anymore. I don't have to make sure this one's here or that one. Like, she just said, I felt relief. She's like, I didn't want to die, but I was like, wow. Like, I'm, I don't have to do anything anymore. Mm -hmm. And there was that. There was a feeling of like, I can't, there's nothing I can do here. And if I die, oh shit, like I'm not on the hook for paying a mortgage or fucking working every day. Although I like working, so that's not a hardship, but like I don't have to eat vegetables, which they're probably going to make me do. Like suddenly there was like, not like, hey, these are the fringe benefits of dying, but I don't know how to explain it, but it was kind of, my mother felt this piece. And I'll be honest with you. I felt this. I didn't do what she did. She flatlined. Right. But I felt this sense of like, well, there it is. And not like, no, I'm holding on to this shit with fucking both hands. And there was a little more, I'm not saying that's undignified. We all want to live, but I thought I'd be that guy screaming, crying, bargaining, fucking no. And really I was just like, you know, this has been great. Thank you so much. I was just fucking grateful. And if that was that, that was that. And now I'm grateful for this where I'm like, wow, like by all fucking rights i shouldn't be here so this is great i'm appreciative for it and i know that it's fucking borrowed time like mm-hmm. there's a picture of my father sitting right across from me holding baby harley and uh there's a picture of me sitting right next to my dad in, in another picture and those have always been there because that's dad and, and you know i always like to keep him around so that i don't forget you know I, my dad's been dead for 13 years and there are days that go by where i don't think about my father, you know, in the course of doing whatever you're doing, life is for the living. And so out of sight, out of mind. So I like to keep those pictures around because it constantly reminds me there he is, there he is, there he is. Mm -hmm. And now when I look at it, it's, it's a different perspective. Like now I'm like, all right, I'm on, I'm on, I look at those pictures and I'm like, I'm on borrowed time. You've got more in common with him than ever. Yeah. Very, very true. Um, I mean, fuck, look at that picture, dude. We're both holding our face the exact same. <laughs> Twinsies. <laughs> totally. But, uh, yeah, man, he, he was my role model, I guess, for going in the hospital because he spent so much time in it. Mm-hmm. And I never saw him freaking the fuck out either. As many times as I saw him, and my dad got in like a car wreck once and stuff. As many times as I saw my dad in the hospital, he was never like crying or like, I got it. Ah, help me. He's just always like, well, this is your lot in life. It's not a lot, but it's your life or whatever. Mm. Fuck. So I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here and I appreciate every day more than I did before. Now, like, look, it's all borrowed time, Ralph. We're it's all true. fucking living on from the first time. one, right? From the moment you pull out the womb and they pull you out the womb, you're on borrowed time. So now more than ever, I fucking realize that. Yeah. Like every, and, and, and it's not, I'm not like, oh my God, life is so short and I've got to now taste it all. Like there was nothing I feel like I, I was like, well, now that I'm alive, I'm going to make sure I do this here. Maybe, maybe I will finally go to the, the fucking cereal factory in Buffalo where they make the lucky charms. <laughs> you know, I've always told myself like, I'd like to see how they make the lucky charms and it smells real good and shit. And so I was like, one day, one day, maybe next time I'm in Buffalo, I'm go. definitely making that fucking trip or something like that. But I do, I feel a sense of like, uh, right on, I'm here and I shouldn't be here. So make good use of that time. But at the same time, it's not like, because you've wasted all your other time. I've always tried to make pretty good use of my time. Now I'll just try to double that up, I guess. One last question before I go. Okay. And I know people would kill me if I didn't ask. Mm. What's the status on smoking weed? Have the doctors uh, given you any marching Oddly orders? Oddly enough, that, during, all, during all these – during everything, um, they were like, uh, you know, you're, you're meeting people who don't know you and or your history or blah, blah, blah. So they're like, you know, what's your name? And they're doing that shit to also make sure you're fucking there. And right. stuff. What's your name? Where do you live? What's your address? What's your phone number and stuff? Uh, Kevin, can you tell me about your medical history? Are you a drinker? No. Are you a smoker? I don't smoke cigarettes, but I smoke weed. That's fine. Are you this? Wow. Now, I'm not saying, green and I was given permission 
But that's not what they were concerned about. In fact, me, like, you know, I wasn't fucking blazed by this point, but I had smoked a joint prior to the two-hour show. Right. Um, so three hours had passed since I'd smoked a joint, but still THC in my system. And somebody, like, along the lines, I don't know who it was, but they were like, it's probably good that, you know, you had weed in your system because you were so calm mm. and that makes all the difference because if you freak out and you're like i'm gonna die and your heart starts to race in uh, over blink and then fucking you know it's already dealing with enough trouble so i'm I'm not saying that like fucking uh they they said you should smoke weed weed saved your life it, but it may have it may <laughs> have ralph oh great that's all you need it may have that's another reason another reason to stand by it now maybe i don't smoke it as much i never I, I smoked it in raw filters which are natural and stuff like that and also smoking nicotine is what constricts your your uh arteries and veins like cigarette smoking carcinogens and, and nicotine that's real bad on your heart that fucking really affects it right i've not and believe me i've been combing the internet since i got home seen anything laid at weed's door like that that being said or anything like that. yes that being said i'm if i go back to it because i've been clean for clean i don't consider smoking weed dirty but i haven't smoked a joint since then um since before the show and not because i'm like oh i'm fucking nervous i just you know i'm fucking uh i don't know how to describe it let me see um i don't know it's just the same way i feel about food I haven't been that hungry since I got home. Like I'll eat, but I'm not like you have a real appetite for either of those things right now. Not right at this moment. That being said, um, I'll I'll vaporize. Not like that pen, but like I'll get like a Pax vaporizer and pack it with Nug, and I can vape, and then that eliminates smoking from the equation altogether. Right. Um, but you know, look, I'm going to see uh, uh, Doctor Ladenheim on Tuesday, and if Doctor Ladenheim is like no, then there it goes, and you won't. I mean, that was the one thing I was really happy about too. Like, uh, you know, you see so many people, he's a fucking stoner and shit like that. I, I like smoking weed. Don't get, I am a stoner, but it's not because I'm like, I can't help myself. Like, right. I, it's not reefer madness. No. <laughs> and I'm not sitting here like Jonesy. Yeah. In the, in the least, like weed is wonderful, but it's not alcohol. Alcohol is a substance one builds a dependence on and the body eventually absorbs it to the point where if you take alcohol away you could shut a person's fucking heart down as with uh amy winehouse yeah weed is not like that and right. for me particularly they weed went away and i'm not like oh fuck like ah where's the weed and i can't function so yeah like i got normally i wake i woke up at eight o'clock this morning and normally i get up light a joint and start working and mm -hmm. this morning i got up and just started working and i wasn't like i'm purposefully avoiding having a joint right just right now i mean i ain't that artery that was clogged now is flowing freely. So I'm, I'm, I hate to say this, but I'm kind of like on a natural high. Right. You're I'm getting, getting super oxygenated, oxygenated more right? than I have in who knows how many fucking years. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, believe me, I'm not like, fuck weed. I love weed. And the moment I can get back to it and I feel comfortable and shit like that, like, great. But right now, I'm okay. I think I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Well, we're all happy that you're okay, man. I am delighted to be okay. My only fucking uh, regret is that you canceled Babylon on Saturday. Fuck well, we'll, we'll God be, damn it. We'll be back. Take some, take, put your feet up. Relax. Uh, You've earned it. I don't want to do that. I want to talk to people. Tell them. You know what? That was probably good. We take a week off. Otherwise, we'd be like, oh, let me type up a heart attack. People are going to get tired of that quick. <laughs> like, hey, look, you lived. We get it. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> it's borrowed time and you go in like a week. They're like, ugh. Really? We already did this. Didn't we just give him all the love and everything? We live Jeez. in a fast news cycle these <laughs> days. You know what I thought about, dude? Uh, and this is, believe me, I'm not like going, thank God. Uh, but, you know, one of my heroes in this life, of course, is George Carlin. Of course. And, and, uh, George sadly not with us anymore. But I remember one of my favorite bits from Carlin and Carnegie is him going, let me update you on the, the comedian's heart stake sweepstakes or the comedian, uh, heart attack sweepstakes. He's like, first, what happened is, Richard Pryor had a heart attack and then I had a heart attack and then Richard burned himself up. And I said, fuck that. I'm going to have another heart attack. <laughs> so I thought about that when I was in the hospital, I was like, Oh, George Carlin had a heart attack. So 
It's not a badge of honor, Kevin. Stop <laughs> I'm in a club, dude. That's the only way I could put myself anywhere near a god like Carlin. If you get in that way, we're similar. Ask me about my heart attack patch for your jersey. Yes. We we'll all know it's all over at that point. He <laughs> won't talk about anything else. <laughs> I promise, kids, I won't belabor this topic, but you got to give me a week because I did almost die. <laughs> there are some revelations. I, like when I did my Facebook Live, the 20 minute thing. Yeah. Like nothing but love. And I watched it again afterwards so I could read all the comments because they move so fast you can't see them all. Right. And out of all the comments, nothing but love, there was one person who said, I don't think this is very appropriate to share with people from a hospital room. Oh, my Lord. And I was just like, apparently, you've never been to this page before. I share way more intimate shit than this. And isn't that sort of your call, I would think? And also, it's like, bro, I'm, I'm, trying, to, like, I'm trying to help me, of course, by being like, let me tell you this fucking story. Because when it's out there to name it is to claim it. Sure. Yeah. But more importantly, I'm like, hey, man, this is something you might need to know because you might fucking be having a heart attack or may suffer from heart problems. You don't even know it yet. Yeah. So I disagree with that cat. Um, but that being said, I promise this won't be like the, you know, fucking the butt of every joke where I'm like, but I did have a heart attack, but I'm bump. Hey, I almost died. Yes. It's <laughs> well, everything that people say about you. Believe me, I'm going to, I'm going to use that on the wife <laughs> left and right. I'm going to win every argument for the next year. I oh, almost died. That's pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> it's pretty good. Thanks for sitting down with me, man, and doing this. I appreciate Happy it. to be here for the Ralph Report, man. Thank this you. is it's the... not what I wanted your debut on the Ralph Report to be like at all. You couldn't ask for a better debut, though. <laughs> but we'll be back talking about better things soon. Uh, thanks again, man. Thank you. Man, you can't help but be impressed by that guy. That's why he uh, has such an influence not only on his fans and the people who enjoy his work, but those of us who are near to him as well. I mean, uh, he's one of my best friends and he still continues to inspire me. So I was happy to bring the rest of that story to you guys today on this free Monday. And like I mentioned, if you like what you hear on the Ralph Report, feel free to go to patreon.com slash the Ralph Report and subscribe so you don't miss an episode every Monday through Friday of the Ralph Report. Coming up this week, we've got another series of interviews, great interviews with an actor named Sean Hattesey. You know him from Southland and right now you know him from Animal Kingdom, an amazing TV series over there on TNT. I love that show and I love this guy. It's a great interview. We'll also have Sex U, Sex University later on this week. We're going to be talking about your personal finances too. Are you fucked up when it comes to credit? We're going to tell you how to fix that. All that and much, much more, including we're going to talk to uh, Missy Martinez, our resident porn star. We're going to ask her some questions as well. So a great week coming up. You're not going to miss an episode. So make sure you subscribe to The Ralph Report at patreon.com slash The Ralph Report. I will talk to you tomorrow. I love you. I mean it. Bye.